Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Recover with Carly podcast. Let me just fill you in on what has been a shit show of trying to get this episode recorded. Um, I'm here with my friend Jordan Lufus, and we have been sitting here navigating technical difficulties for the last 30 minutes. <laughs> we're here, and I'm so excited to have Jordan here. So welcome, Jordan. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad it's working out and we're able to do this today. (laughs) Yes. I feel like that's one of the things that I really learned during COVID was like flexibility and adapting to things that are just not in your control. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, technology, sometimes it fails you and that's okay, but we got it worked out. So, but yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Yes. And I was so excited because you shared that this was your first podcast episode. And that makes me so happy because I love being people's first podcast. Yes. I was saying earlier, I just, I love what you do on your podcast. I love what you talk about and what you stand for. And like I mentioned, I feel like I have a lot that I could add. So I'm super excited that my first interview is with you and we get to talk about it. So yeah, I'm excited. Yes. And I'll just say I um, came across Jordan from TikTok. And I was telling her earlier, I'm like, she's one of my like comfort creators because she just does the most like wholesome, um, like day in the life and get ready with me. And she has the cutest pups, two huskies that are just adorable. Um, (laughs) and she's happily married. And I feel like just like watching your content just makes people feel really good. And that takes a special person to create that kind Thank of. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That makes me really happy. But yeah, I'm always, I feel like I get that a lot that people are like, yeah, I take so much comfort in your videos. And that really means so much. So I, I love that. Yes. And we'll, we'll talk more about that um, as we go through today's episode. But first things first, do you mind just sharing with listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do for anyone who maybe is just learning about you for the first time? Yes. So like Carly said, my name is Jordan and I am 26. I live in California, Los Angeles specifically with my husband and our two dogs. Um, I am originally from Northern California. That's where I grew up. And then we moved to LA like five years ago or maybe six years ago at this point. But um, so I do photography and social media full time. And so I've always kind of had a creative job. And I always wanted to do like content creation and, um, TikTok was definitely, cause I feel like there was a period of time where it was like kind of hard to like kind of get going, especially on an app like Instagram. It got to a point where it was really hard. And I feel like TikTok really opened a lot of doors for a lot of people. So, and I was one of those lucky people. So, um, and I actually started, I kind of just opened up on, um, TikTok about my struggles with, um, my eating disorder. And that's, how I got started and it just kind of took off from there. It really like happened overnight. Honestly, I started growing a following in March of 2022. I had like one video specifically about my eating disorder go viral and I gained like a hundred thousand followers in like two weeks. So it was crazy. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. It was absolutely crazy. So it really, it like happened really fast and then it's just kind of grown from there, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started and what I'm doing now. And, but now I'm do, I've kind of transitioned out of sharing just like 
eating disorder content. Cause I was doing that a lot, but I also didn't want that. Cause I feel like there's so many sides to me. Like that obviously is a huge part of my story, but that's not the only part of my story. So I ventured into like sharing other parts of me and like, I started doing vlogs and I, you know, brought my husband in and started showing him a little bit more. And I think, um, you know, as people got to see more of our personalities and stuff, that's helped us grow more of a community. So yeah, it's just kind of grown from there and I love it so much. It's so much fun. Yes. And I feel like I hear that with, I've had several, um, like TikTok creators on the podcast and pretty much all of them had said that they had tried YouTube. They had, they had tried Vine. They, you know, tried all these different platforms, but for some reason, TikTok was the one that just like worked for them. Yes. Um, and I always love hearing stories like that because I think that it's so important that we see people like you and, you know, just like everyday people on these platforms, Mm -hmm. um, because it's so easy to get sucked into like superficial stuff and, you know, like the social media, quote unquote, social media aesthetics, right. Of what it looks like to be a content creator. And for sure, that is like a whole, we could literally do a whole episode just on that literally. But yeah, like, um, I definitely think like, sometimes I can tell people are a little surprised that this is what I do. And I almost feel like there's been a couple of times where I tell people, you know, TikTok is what I do. And they almost like, don't take it as serious until they see my account. And I'm like, no, like, this is what I do. And like, it's almost like they're surprised that like people would follow someone like me, but I'm like, cause you know, I don't fit that influencer mold quote unquote. So, um, but yeah, like I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying. I think it's nice and refreshing to see so many different types of people, you know, joining the content creator slash influencer community. So yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. Yeah. I think that I, I feel like most people, the, the perspective, like the, the image they have of like a TikToker is like, um, a young person who like lip syncs and like dances because yes. that's <laughs> the image that TikTok has kind of created for itself. But the beauty of that, of TikTok is that it has evolved into all these different, um, kind of spaces. Yeah. And I feel like you can have like, you can find your space on the app. Definitely. Social media in general, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're interested in. I think that like, literally there's like a, there's room for everyone. Yeah. Interest. And I think that's really refreshing because Mm -hmm. I think it gives people hope that like, okay, yeah, I don't quote unquote look like your typical content creator, like someone who would have a large platform. Um, but also like, fuck that. <laughs> like, yeah, no, exactly. Like, yeah. That's the beauty of it. That's what we want. That's what we're encouraging. We want like the diversity and we want like all sorts of different people creating content. So yes. that everyone has a safe space to go and to. Yeah. So that's why I love TikTok so much. Cause I feel like it's given so many people opportunities that might not have gotten that, you know, from other platforms and, and, you know, every platform is different. There's some people that are super successful on Instagram and some people that are super successful on YouTube. Mine and just happens to be TikTok, but I, I love it. That is definitely my app of choice because <laughs> it's just so fun. And yeah, I just feel like there's just so many different types of creators and yeah, there's definitely room for everyone. And I feel like, in my opinion, I feel like TikTok is one of the more 
refreshing apps in terms of like you, you will find someone that you can resonate with, which I love. Did you ever see yourself doing what you're doing? Honestly? Yes. So like I mentioned, I, I have always had a creative job. I've always been a very creative person. So I do photography full-time alongside with social media full-time now, but I did photography for, I started doing photography like seriously back in 2016. And then it kind of grew into a job from there. Um, but I always wanted to do content creation. I was always, I've always been like super into like social media and just sharing my life. Like I'm just, I'm an oversharer for sure. And I'm an open book and I love to talk and I love, I just, I love it. So I've always been into that type of stuff. And I always felt like if I was given a platform that I would thrive because I always felt like I was meant to do that type of job. Um, so it was just one of those where like it, I've always been ready. I just haven't been given the opportunity. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I tried to go on Instagram for a long time, but I just, I'd never felt like it was working or clicking and, um, yeah. And then I downloaded TikTok and I actually, you know, would, I scrolled on TikTok for like six months without ever making an account. Cause you know how you could scroll. Yeah. Um, you can go, you can just download the app and scroll the for you page. So I did that for a super long time. And then I finally made an account and then eventually I just started making videos and it just kind of grew from there. And then, yeah. And then I just started getting more and more into it until eventually, you know, and once I opened that door to sharing my struggles with my eating disorder, that's when it really took off. Cause I think it resonated with so many people, which also did help me a lot to know that I wasn't alone. So yeah, it was like a win-win cause I'm, it gave me that, you know, that platform that I've always wanted and a job that I've always wanted, but it also helped me connect with other people and, you know, Cause as much as people tell me like, oh, you're, I love your video so much. I resonate with you so much. It also makes me feel good to know that I'm not alone either. You know? Yeah. I definitely feel like it's, it's two-sided in a lot of ways, right? Like you're mm-hmm. receiving comments or people are messaging you and saying like, Hey, I'm experiencing something similar. And that's validating for you to know, like, you're not the only one experiencing that. And you are creating that space and that community to be vulnerable and open up and encourage your community and your followers to, you know, be vulnerable and share what they're going through and whatever that looks like. And I think that's such an important space to create because I think sometimes there can be like a weird wall up of like, Mm -hmm. don't, I mean, obviously boundaries are important, but also there, I feel like there's some spaces where people don't always feel that comfortability to share with that content creator, what it is that they're going through or, you know, how they resonate with it. Definitely. Yeah. And I, cause I definitely feel like it does take a special type of person to put themselves out there. So I think it's a lot of people. I like, they might not feel comfortable doing it, but it helps them to see someone else that is comfortable enough to be vulnerable. And then they're like, I can totally relate. And it's, yeah, it definitely, it, brings people together for sure. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing we talk about a lot on the podcast is obviously body image and eating disorders and recovery and mental health and all of that stuff. Um, and one question I always ask my guests kind of early on into the episode is to just like briefly share what their relationship has been like with their Mm -hmm. body. Um, you had shared that, your one first TikTok that went viral was you kind of talking about your eating disorder. Um, so you've opened up about that on the platform and it was kind of what was that starting point for you in creating that community. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I'm curious what, what has your relationship with your body looked like? Is it something that you've struggled with for most of your life or was it something that came up later in life? Yeah. So, um, it's definitely something I have struggled with for majority of my life. So I, I mean, it all starts with the family, right? You know, it all starts with how you're brought up and, you know, what you're around. Um, so I definitely come from, there's a lot of body image issues in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my grandmother struggled with an eating disorder growing up. Um, she was anorexic growing up and it was something, honestly, she's never really gotten resolved. Um, and my, so and my grandmother was very present in my life, very, very present. And, um, and she was an amazing grandmother, but definitely, um, she was one of the first women in my life that started making comments about my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love her to pieces, but, um, I remember my first, um, moment of like, wow, I'm, I'm truly embarrassed. Um, cause I think obviously you start being really aware of your body around that time you hit. Cause I feel like when you're at least my experience, when I was in elementary school, my body wasn't really at the front forefront of my mind, but once I hit like middle school, it was like, you know, that's when you're meeting it. That's like the, you know, where you meet that growing out of being a little kid to you're getting your period and your body's changing and all that stuff. So, um, I remember the first time, um, my grandmother made a comment was, uh, I, I think I was in seventh grade and I, we went to like a family barbecue and, um, she, I walked in, she literally had just seen her and she gave me a hug and she patted my thighs and she's like, Oh, we're getting, we're getting a little heavy. Are we so, something like that? And I remember that was like, when I think back to like, when did it start? That was one of the first thing when that's one of the first things that came to my mind was just, that was the first time a family member had like made a comment about my body. And, um, my mom also struggled a lot with her body image. Um, and my mom never ever made any comments about my body, but I think that's because she grew up with a mom who did. And, um, she also, my mom had a lot of health issues. I I just remember growing up, um, my mom was always trying to lose weight, always trying to lose weight, um, taking diet pills. Um, my mom also had diabetes when I was growing up. So on top of trying to lose weight, she was having all these other health issues. Um, so I was watching my mom struggle as well. Um, so that was another thing that was just really forefront was, I just always remember my mom was never in great health. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, always battling, trying to lose weight. And then I have an older sister. She's four years older than me. She never, um, said anything to me negative, but I would always hear her talk about herself in a negative way. And, you know, all those things that, you know, if you're, those are examples that are set for you. So if you're just watching everyone in your family, not like themselves struggle with the way they view themselves, it's going to make you conscious of like, okay, well, is my body okay? You know? And then when you have family members commenting on the fact that your body's not okay, or they think it's not okay. So that's kind of where it started. And then, um, so I was always kind of self-conscious, I would say, um, that started in like middle school. And then as I got older, once I got into high school, that's when I really started with wanting to lose weight, wanting to stay thin. That's kind of when that started. And then I would say, I always say my, my eating disorder was born. That's when it was born. It was probably my senior year of high school. That's when 
I really started to kind of get into it. I was like, okay, I want to lose weight. And, um, I learned about intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wish I could go back and unlearn that. But yeah, so that was kind of when the monster was born was me learning about intermittent fasting. Well, and what, what really got the ball rolling was it worked. If it hadn't worked, I don't think the ball would have got as, as rolling as it did and turned into, you know, what it was. But like, after I graduated high school, I had lost like 20 pounds, which I didn't even have 20 pounds to lose in the first place. Um, as I got older, it stopped working. So I was starting to gain weight once I, so that I started intermittent fasting probably when I was like 17, 18. And that was like, religiously, I was like an intermittent, intermittent faster. And, um, and it makes me really sad when I think back on it too, because it affected my life so much. Like, I, I wouldn't let myself eat at certain times. And it was just, it, it just, I felt like I was living in this cage. Like, you know, my whole life was just structured around like food and when I could eat when I couldn't. And it was just, I had just built this like prison cell for myself. And, um, so yeah, so, but as I got older, I think I noticed the intermittent fasting not working anymore when I probably, when I started to reach like my twenties, like 2021, I was like a few years into intermittent fasting at this point. And, and mind you, after I had lost the weight, I was just kind of going back and forth. There was a lot of yo-yoing and that's kind of when that binge restrict cycle started. So that's why I kept intermittent, you know, kept, kept up with the intermittent fasting because I would gain three pounds, lose five pounds, gain six pounds. And it just was this vicious cycle of just back and forth. So, um, yeah. So then once the intermittent fasting really stopped working for me, that's when it started to get really, really toxic because I don't know if you know how intermittent fasting works, but there's a feeding window and a fasting window. Mm -hmm. And so basically my, as the intermittent fasting stopped working, my real, you know, I'm like, okay, what can I do? Okay. Well, I'm going to shrink my feeding window. I, at first I was like eat, allowing myself to eat like eight hours out of the day. And then I got to the point where I was, you know, allowing myself to eat six hours out of the day mm-hmm. and then five hours out of the day. And then I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm at like a three hour feeding window throughout the day. And so it just got really, really bad. It had gotten to a point where I basically just wasn't eating. And then, and then I got engaged. Then that's like a whole nother, you know, door is open. Like, okay, now you're getting married and there's just so much pressure. And I'm, I'm a photographer. I do weddings. So I, I know it firsthand from I've been a bride and I, I literally work in the industry. Yeah. Just so much pressure, so much pressure on women getting engaged and then planning a wedding. That's when it got really, really bad. It was already bad, but it just, it just seems like it, like you think it can't get worse. And then it does. Then from there, same thing. I was just still kind of, um, not really eating my, me getting engaged was when my binge eating disorder, I think that portion of my eating disorder, I think was really born and developed was me getting engaged. Um, cause then it got to a point where, um, so I would restrict, I would be quote unquote good. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as people like to say, you know, I'm going to be good. I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not supposed to eat and whatever, you know, that's when like the whole planning of when I was going to binge started coming into play. So I would go like a week at a time, five days at a time, um, being good quote unquote. I know you guys can't see me listening to this podcast, but I'm doing air quotations. And then I would plan a binge. So I would, and I would go to the grocery store and spend like $85, 80, 85 to a hundred dollars on 
ice cream, chips, cookies, just, you know, I feel so bad because my husband was like, I had no idea because I would be like, hey, you want to go to the grocery store with me? Like I'm craving like ice cream or whatever. And it would be like nine o'clock at night and he'd be like, okay. And we'd run to the grocery store and he didn't like really think anything about it. You know, I'm just like grabbing stuff that I want. And then I'd go home and I'd binge and then I would throw everything away. Whatever I couldn't finish, I'd eat myself sick and then I'd throw everything away. And I'd be like, okay, I'm never going to do that again. That cycle continued. I would do that probably once, once a week, once every couple of weeks. And that continued for probably, I got engaged in 2017 and I did that up until like 2020. So I'm like, I can't do math, <laughs> but that's like three years, three, four years. Um, and then finally, um, towards the end of 2020, that's when I went to my husband and I was like, I think I need help. Cause I always knew my relationship with food and my body wasn't normal. But once it got to the whole, like kind of planning and be very, being very sneaky, like I like, I would wait for my husband to leave and I would like binge when he wasn't home and like stuff like that. So once those behaviors started, that's when I kind of was like, okay, this really is not good. So that was like the first, he was the first person I went to that was like, I, I think there's like something wrong, especially too, because I didn't come from a family that really like kind of believed or understood in like eating disorders, you know, like it's. Just kind of, it was like the big elephant in the room that nobody talked about, you know. So um he was the first person I went to that I was like, I I think, you know, I have an eating disorder. I think that this behavior isn't normal. And that's from there where I started recovery. So I started recovery in December of 2020. I'm feeling just like a lot of like pain for you, but also empathy and feeling very happy for you that you've gotten to the place that you're at now. There's also so many parts of your story that I I resonate with. So I feel like that makes me emotional because I'm like, ugh, the grandma stuff. Like I experienced the same thing. Same thing with my mom. My mom was very diet, like very heavy in diets throughout my Mm -hmm. childhood. And one specific experience with my grandma, right? Where I like came home for a funeral. Like I was living in Hawaii at the time for my undergrad, came Mm -hmm. home to Ohio to see my family for a funeral. And the first thing my grandma says to me is, have you gained weight? Mm -hmm. And I was like, at a point in my life then where I was like pretty confident in who I was, but totally relate to the comments. Um, Yeah. And I, one thing I always try to think about is because I feel like people might hear that and be like, oh my God, like how, you know, how could you forgive your grandmother? And you know, how could you, cause I'm still extremely close with my, I love that woman so much. She is. And like I said, she was so present in my childhood and I love her and I hold nothing against her. Cause I look at it like this, my grandmother, she probably grew up with, you know, I didn't know my great grandmother that well, but I wouldn't be surprised if she, she learned that somewhere, you know what I mean? And I just think back to all of the beauty standards that my grandmother was probably held to. And I'm like, she doesn't know any different. And I'm not making excuses, but I just try to think of people that project these type of things. It's it's because that's what was projected onto them and they don't know any different. And so I, as much as, you know, the comments that I got growing up was hurtful, I know that she also has so much untreated and undiagnosed trauma that she hasn't gone through herself because no one was ever there to help her. So I always, I try to lead with sympathy, especially when it comes to my grandma, because I know to this day, she still struggles, you know, and it's, I, instead of leading with anger, I try to just lead with sympathy because I know 
you know, it's, this is what we've been taught. Like, look at, you know, what the standards that are set for women, it's crazy. And I'm like, no wonder, you know, these women are projecting all these issues onto their children because I'm like, they're, they don't, they weren't taught any different, you know? So, and it's, you know, taking the steps to break that cycle. It's hard. It's like, especially with when it's family members and, you know, I've, I've even had my, my father after I got married. Cause after I got married, I, you know, the wedding was over. I didn't have this as much of this, um, you know, pressure. So immediately after I got married, the second the wedding was over, I put on like 20 pounds, like probably within like a couple months. And I remember I saw my dad a few months after I got married. And the first thing he said was, oh my God, you got so chunky. Have you, I'm curious, like if you've had conversations like with your family members regarding like boundaries or if you've, you know, shared with them or how familiar you are with your struggles now. So I'm, that's actually something I wanted to touch on. So I'm really glad you brought that up. One thing I had to learn in recovery is not everyone's going to believe you. Not everyone's going to understand. Not everyone's going to get it. And one thing I really noticed with my family. So I actually had a conversation with my mom. Um, and this was actually a really, I'm actually glad that this happened with my mom. But so after I was probably maybe six months into recovery and I went up to visit her and she had made a comment about my, my little brother, how he, he was trying, my little brother was like trying to lose weight. And I made a comment that, you know, you need to be careful and just keep an eye on him. Basically just letting her know that I was worried about him. And I had mentioned to her, you know, that I have an eating disorder and, and she was like, Oh, you were, you know, you were healthy and everything was fine when you were growing up. And I was like, no, I was like, I've struggled my whole life with my body image. And I was like, I literally have an eating disorder. Cause I had been open about it on social media and my mom follows me. My mom keeps up with everything that I do, but she had never said anything to me about it. So I brought it up to her and I said, I have an eating disorder. And she goes, no, you don't. And that like really, really hurt my feelings. And I remember I was so upset with her because I was like, that's so dismissive. You know, I'm like, you haven't even had a conversation with me about it. And you're just going to look me in my face and tell me, no, you don't have an eating disorder. I waited a few weeks and I wanted to kind of process my feelings before I said anything to her. And I told her, I was like, you know, that really hurt my feelings. I was like, that was so dismissive. And I was like, you've never asked me about it. You've never talked to me about it. And I was like, that hurts. And she was like, and this is when I'm glad that we had, you know, this happened because it gave me such a better understanding of my mom. And she said, well, I didn't say anything to you because I'm not comfortable talking about it. And she was like, I struggle. And she was like, I struggle with my body. I've and she was like, you know, I've always struggled with my body. I've always struggled with my weight, always struggled with food and everything. And she was like, it makes me uncomfortable. And she was like, cause I have my own unresolved issues. And she was like, and I, she's like, I want to be there for you. And I'm sorry, but she was like, I just, I can't talk about it. And I was like, that's fine. I was like that. I completely understand if, you know, you can't talk about it and you know, it's not something that you understand. And I was like, but just respect what I'm going through and don't dismiss it. Don't just dismiss it as, Oh no, you don't. And just write it off because I'm like, you know, you don't know what I'm going through. So she, so that really, and I feel like it's almost made me and my mom closer, but yeah, I've tried to talk to my family about it. Again, my grandmother is just kind of like, she just writes it off as you don't have an eating disorder. You just, you know, you just struggle with your weight, whatever, but I just take it as they just don't understand. And I've accepted that not everybody understands or they have their own issues 
and it makes them uncomfortable because they haven't addressed that trauma. I've just kind of taken it for what it is. And I've tried to talk to my sisters about it. Um, you know, my sisters also, I, I feel like all of us, all the women in my family really struggle and I've tried to talk to them about it, but I can tell when like someone isn't there, you know? So like in terms of like ready to talk about it, ready to acknowledge it. So I just kind of leave it. I, I put, you know, my feelings out there and just kind of leave it. And I'm like, if, and when they ever come around to wanting to talk about that, then we can talk about it, but it's never something I want to force on anybody. So I'm like, this is my journey, my struggle. If they don't want to talk to me about it because they're uncomfortable, then that's okay. And I don't love them any, any less because of it. I think that that's something that is so important to talk about because I see this so much with clients, but also just with people on social media who reach out to me and even similar in my experience, right? Of like, we aren't going to be able to get people to understand, like we cannot force people to understand and we cannot force people to do the work and Mm -hmm. to talk about the things that we feel like would be important and life-changing for them to talk about. And there can be grief in that and being like that just isn't the relationship right now. And Mm. it doesn't mean it won't ever be, but that just isn't what that looks like right now. And I think there can be grief in that. And I think that, you know, it can feel lonely. I felt very lonely when I opened up about my eating disorder because I never told my parents face to face, kind of similar to you. I shared it on social media Mm -hmm. and my dad has never brought it up to me. Mm-hmm. Like my mom has said things here and there of like, I'm proud of you, but we've never like sat down and had an in-depth conversation about what my experience was. Um, mm-hmm. She shared with me that she struggled with an eating disorder when she was younger and that my grandma struggled with an eating disorder when she was younger. Um, So similar to you, right? Like kind of this thing that has been passed down from generation to generation and you know I think that having the space to having the people in your life right whether that's like your husband or your friends or just your partner or you know a therapist just like someone who you can process all of these things with to feel less alone Mm -hmm. um is so important because I think when our family doesn't understand it can be whether it's conscious or subconscious very invalidating and yes, putting us in that place of like am I being am I over exaggerating is this something yes. that I'm actually feeling or experiencing is this normal behavior because no one else in my family seems to understand like yes. the actual dangers of what I'm doing mm-hmm. so, for anyone listening, I, I say all of this because just because those closest to you, your family, the people that you love, the people that love you, just because they don't understand does not mean that what you're going through is less valid. Yeah. Um, it is still valid. You are still deserving of help and support and recovery, and you're still deserving of talking about that. Um, and I'm, I feel sadness for people myself included who can't have those open conversations all the time but I also feel a sense of like gratitude for the people in my life that I do get to have those conversations with because I'm like thank you so much for being that person and understanding um when others can't be that yeah that was the biggest thing I I had to accept was just that 
you know, just because my family doesn't understand doesn't make it not real, you know, and and it's okay. And they'll maybe they'll come around, maybe they won't, but I have again, I just try to lead with sympathy and I'm like, they might not quote unquote believe in it because they don't understand or they are scared to even kind of open that can of worms, you know? So what was that process like for you when you started like opening up about your eating disorder and your struggles online? Because I know before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about just like how toxic that can be, that space, and also how scary it can be to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. um, to hundreds of thousands of random people online. What did that, what did that look like for you in choosing to open up about your eating disorder and navigating that space? When I first started posting about, you know, having an eating disorder, I was actually kind of just sharing on like my Instagram stories and stuff. And this was back before I had like grown any sort of a platform. So I had shared for a little bit on social media. I didn't like jump straight over to TikTok. I just kind of started sharing here and there on my Instagram story. Cause like I had said, like, I've always been into like social media and I've always kind of shared and been like really open. Um, so it wasn't like super random that I was sharing something like that on my Instagram story, but I noticed that I kind of immediately was getting messages from people just saying that like they get it and, you know, they appreciate it. And so I kind of got a pretty positive response right away. Granted, that was from me sharing to a smaller amount of people. The video that I had made on TikTok was basically, it was talking about, you know, how my husband helps me when I'm going through recovery. And it was like showing that he crossing out like calories and stuff on um, like food that we had in the house. He like hid the scale, the scale in the closet and, and that one blew up and it got like 8 million views or something. And then um, I got a lot of, obviously when that video blew up, I got so much positivity. It was like such a wave of positivity. Also a huge wave of, you know, trolls and people being hateful. And I had never really experienced that before because I had never had a video reach that many people. So that was my first time really like experiencing hate online. People saying that my husband was an enabler and just saying things like, oh, go lose weight. Cause that's everyone's answer to everything is just go lose weight. Cause you know, that's, that just cures everything. Right. So, um, <laughs> and so it definitely really affected me at first. I was like, you know, I, I just remember I, the, the comments were eating me up for sure. Cause that, that was my first time really experiencing that. And then I just kept sharing though. I didn't, I didn't let it stop me. The positivity definitely outweighed the negative. So I just kept sharing. And I will say like, as I was growing this amazing community of people that were just so positive and they were resonating with my videos and finding a lot of peace in peace in my videos, which made me really happy. I couldn't, I can't say that those comments didn't make recovery harder. I definitely got to a point where, and like there was a period there where I was like, kind of sharing what I was eating, you know, during recovery. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, I have to set some sort of boundaries. Like I'm all for being vulnerable, but I was like, I'm still in recovery. This is making it a little bit difficult and I don't want to go backwards. So I had to start setting a little bit of boundaries, but I was like, I still want to share. Like I'm, I love that I'm sharing. So I was like, maybe let me start incorporating like some different types of content and not have everything just be about my eating disorder. So that's when I started kind of incorporating other content, which made me really happy because I felt like people still found a way to resonate and connect with me, which 
I loved because I was a little afraid that if I pulled away from sharing recovery content a little bit that, you know, I wouldn't be able to resonate with people as much, but I still wanted to set those boundaries for myself. But, um, yeah, it was, it was really hard for sure. Like, cause I would, I even have people that would like leave a comment and go DM me on Instagram, like saying, saying something hateful and mean and nasty. And so I definitely had to set those boundaries and it made it really hard for sure. And then I eventually just made the decision. I think probably like I shared a lot of eating disorder content for probably like six months on TikTok as, as I started to grow. And then I finally made the decision that I was like, okay, I think I need to pull back from sharing that type of content. Get it. Cause it got to the point where it was too much. And I was like, okay, this is affecting my recovery. And I was like, I need, and I could tell I was like right on the cusp. I could tell that I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel. I could tell that my relationship was with food was changing. I could tell that what I look like, what I'm eating, all those things wasn't at the forefront of my mind anymore, which was great progress. And I was like, I need to really pull back so I can finish recovery and get to the other side without having the world's opinions about it. So I was able to, you know, I decided to kind of pull back on sharing that type of content on TikTok. And I started getting messages like, I feel like you're not sharing that type of content anymore. And, you know, it makes me sad, but like, I understand, you know, why you might be doing that. And, you know, so I definitely, I almost felt guilty a little bit. Like I was pulling away from people that needed me. Um, cause a lot of, I would get the most amazing messages from people saying that I was like, you know, help pulling them out of this dark place and, you know, their video, I, my video saved them. And, and it, it made, it made me feel so happy, but then I had this like guilt of like, I almost felt like I had to keep sharing that type of content. So I was in this battle of like wanting to be able to recover without the world's opinions and trolls, you know, people just trolling me online while also still being able to be there for people. Cause I'm so appreciative of this community that I've grown and I need them just as much as they need me. And so it's, you know, I almost felt guilty in a sense, but that I feel like I've been able to still maintain a really deep connection with my followers just from sharing my everyday life. And I, I try to remain really genuine and still be vulnerable, even though it's not content, like talking about my, you know, my eating disorder, but still showing that like, I don't, I'm I'm not picture perfect every day. This is what I look like when I wake up. I don't wear makeup every day. I'm in sweats 95% of the time and still just showing that and not feeling like I have to put on a show, which I think still was able to resonate with people. Cause I I feel like TikTok there's, don't get me wrong. I love an aesthetically pleasing video, (laughs) but I was like, it can be aesthetically pleasing without being super curated. I almost tried to transition that vulnerability, like keep it there, but just share it in a different way so that I could still recover with, you know, I I had to put my mental health first. And that's kind of when I, I think I, so I shared that like eating disorder content was like my main thing for like six months. And that's when I was kind of like, okay, I have to kind of pull the plug on that so I can finish the rest of this year, which was 2022. And I'm really glad that I did that because Now, if someone tried to make a comment regarding my body or what I look like or anything, it does not affect me. And I think that's a difficult decision to make, especially nowadays. And I feel like that makes me sound so old. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like truly, I think that it's really hard to make that decision to change up the 
types of videos that you're creating when you've created a, a platform based off of those types of videos. And then you're like, well, if I stop making videos like this, then am I like going to stop being of interest to people? And am I going to become irrelevant and all of that? And I think prioritizing your mental health over always wanting to go viral or making sure mm-hmm. you're being relevant and all of that, I think is really impor- important for people to hear because at the end of the day, that truly is the most important thing is your mental and emotional health. And you could go viral over and over and over again and still be like one of the most unhappiest people. It's I think so empowering and inspiring to hear like that you were able to acknowledge that that was almost causing more harm for you Mm -hmm. than it was good and that you were able to set that boundary and say like hey I'm still navigating this and Mm -hmm. this also is not my full identity and I think it's easy to fall into that to fall Mm -hmm. into that space of like this is what I'm going through right now and this is all that I am as a person my eating Mm -hmm. disorder and my recovery but I always remind one myself this and clients this as well is that we are so much more like there's we are such complex people Mm -hmm. and we don't have to just be our recovery we don't have to just be our eating disorder like we can be so many other things and I think it's important especially in recovery to be able to explore those other parts of you that Mm -hmm. you know feel important to you I was really scared to make that decision because I, like you said, I was like, I've, I've always wanted to do, you know, content creation and what I'm doing. So I was like, I was really scared because I was like, I feel, I can tell this is affecting my recovery and it's affecting my mental health, but I feel like I've just opened a door for myself. So I was afraid to like you said, like you said, you know, make that transition, but I'm, I'm so glad I did because like I said, I was able to connect with people in so many other ways And that is, you know, my, my past and, you know, my eating disorder is such a big part of me, but I, yeah, I I had to put myself first over followers and going viral and, you know, and staying relevant and all that. I was like, I, I need to put my, my recovery first. And I'm really glad that I did that. And it's, and now I am realizing that I'm like, if you just show up and you are vulnerable and you're or yourself and you're genuine and you just have fun with it, you can make any type of video and people really aren't going to give a shit. They're, they're there because they care about you. And I realized that a lot of people that showed up for my, you know, my eating disorder and they clicked follow for the recovery content, they stayed because I was being myself the whole time. And I think that they did see that there's more to her than just, you know, the girl that, you know, had a binge eating disorder. So yeah, I'm really glad that I was able to make that switch, but still be able to connect with people and like also get messages that it's like, Oh, like you always dress so cute. And it makes me happy. Cause I have a similar body type to you. And I never thought that I could wear stuff like that. Like I, I, I know that I'm still helping people. So, cause I still get messages like that. So it makes me really happy to know that I'm still making a difference in connecting with people while also still being able to put my mental health first. What has been the biggest turning point for you in terms of unlearning? Because I think this is a really difficult kind of path to walk when mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have like the conversation or the the support from like family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you're going through this process of like unlearning old beliefs and Mm -hmm. navigating recovery. Um, what has been like the most monumental part of that for you that's been helpful in continuing to move forward in unlearning those old beliefs and thoughts regarding your body um, and into this like kind of new recovered space? So I think TikTok and a lot of the people I followed on TikTok were a huge part of my recovery. Um, I followed a lot of amazing women that shared, you know, that type of content. So I definitely am thankful for the women that are out here with, you know, the, like the type of platforms that you have, you guys are doing so much good. And I found so much support in, in women like you and all the women that are out there sharing that type of content. Um, so I really leaned into that. Like a lot of people that I was following, I, one of the first people I followed, have you, do you know, Brittany Lancaster? Mm -hmm. Yes. So she was one of the first people I followed and so a lot of those girls on TikTok were kind of the reason I realized that I had an issue in the first place. And it's crazy because the more that I thought about it, I like, I kind of sat down and I had a, my, you know, a conversation with myself and I was like, okay, what is the issue? Like, what are you so afraid of? What, it, what are, what are the problems that like, what are, what's causing these problems? Right. And I realized I'm like, okay, my main fear, every women's fear that is instilled in us from the time we're a baby is gaining weight, right? Getting, not being the size that the society is deemed we're supposed to be gaining weight. That's always everyone's number one fear, right? I think about it like this. I'm like, you're so concerned with gaining weight, right? But the reason you've gained weight in the first place is because you're restricting yourself and then you're binging. And like, and I'm like, if you would just chill the fuck out and stop being so focused on your weight, you wouldn't have gained weight in the first place. And we put these issues on ourselves like the health and fitness industry, they thrive off of selling people this like false narrative of health and losing weight. And there, it's so crazy too, because all these health and fitness people out here, no one talks about their genetics. I'm like, and I'm not taking away from, you know, a lot of the work that these people put in. And I'm like, but they're selling you this like image of what they telling you that you can achieve when half of what the reason they look like that is because of their, their genes. And I, I just started to realize I'm like, the issue isn't me. The issue was never my weight. It was never, I was never the issue. I was like, it's the pressure that I'm putting on myself. It's the pressure that society's putting on me. And it's, and I was like, I, I have all these health issues because I was so worried about having health issues. You know, like I caused so many problems. Like I had, so when I was first started trying to lose weight, I started having all these issues with my blood sugar and I was passing out all the time. And, um, I actually, one time I passed out at my friend's house and I hit my head so hard that I had, I was like convulsing and like I had to go to the hospital. It was really bad. And I was doing this on a regular basis. And as soon as I went into recovery, that happened, that went on for years. As soon as I went into recovery, I, that has not happened since. And for the longest time, my mom was taking me to the doctor and they were like, we think it's something with her heart. Like, we don't know what's going on. And they could never figure out what was happening. And now I realize I'm like, because I remember one time we were on, I was on a road trip with my family and my mom took my blood sugar and she took my blood sugar. My blood sugar was like 30, which your blood sugar, I can't remember. I think it's supposed to be like in the nineties. I'm pretty sure. My mom was like, holy shit. Like she was like, what the fuck? So my mom was taking me to the hospital and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. They wanted me to wear a heart monitor, blah, 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 blah. Literally the second I went into recovery and I was eating a normal amount of food, the issue went away. 
And I'm like, and this is what I'm talking about. I'm creating issues. I'm creating health issues, trying to avoid health issues. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, that's what people don't understand. I'm like, this dieting and taking diet pills and we're, you know, restricting and fasting and all these things. I'm like, all of this is to be healthy and lose weight, right? You're creating health issues in the process, not to mention you're creating these physical issues, but you're also creating so many like mental health issues. Like you're just ruining the way you see yourself. Like you are just destroying your yourself psychologically. And it's, and that's when I, that was one thing that really clicked for me is I was like, you're trying so hard to be healthy, right? Quote unquote, but you are destroying yourself in the process. And that's why I was like, that's when I really realized I was like, I need to take everything that I've ever learned and just throw it out the window. Cause it's done nothing but ruin my life. That's kind of the big turning point for me was realizing that diet culture really isn't about being healthy. It's not, it's about selling you this, you know, this is the weight you need to be. This is, you know, it's all bullshit, but a lot of the people in the health and fitness industry. And I'm sure there's some people out there that are so amazing and are really leading, you know, with a good, a good heart. But I feel like a lot of people out there are just selling bullshit and they're in the long run, they're making people more unhealthy. I'm sorry. Skinny does not equal healthy. I was skinny. I was like the fucking a hundred pounds and fucking passing out every day. Like it's not. And that's one thing that is so skewed is people think, oh, she's skinny. She's in great health. No, no. I was dying on the inside but I was skinny. So all my problems are gone. Right. Like, and I think that's where that difficulty of like that kind of mind fuck of like, okay, I'm working to be healthy, quote unquote, healthy, healthy to us was thin. And so as Mm -hmm. long as we were losing weight, we were healthy. We were doing healthy things for our bodies. When in reality, we were doing some of the most like most dangerous things yeah potentially like that we could ever do um Mm -hmm. same thing for me like when I was in my eating disorder I remember the turning point for me was when I started actually having physical symptoms like my Mm -hmm. throat was burning constantly I was losing hair I was exhausted Mm -hmm. um it was just like this this kind of mindfuck of like wait a second I was doing all of these things because I was trying to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Actually, my body is like responding the opposite of what I need it to, which duh, it's going to fucking respond the opposite of what you Mm -hmm. need. You're not fueling it. You're restricting it. You're literally terrorizing your body Mm -hmm. to try and look a specific way. And I think that, yeah, that's one thing that so many people still need to unlearn that we as a society still need to unlearn is that the size of our bodies literally does not determine our health Mm -hmm. and it makes me sad that you went to doctors and doctors were like what the hell is going on but they didn't once think to ask you about your behaviors or Mm -hmm. anything like that to try and oh maybe it's like an eating disorder or maybe it's that you're not eating enough or you know whatnot Mm -hmm. and I think that that's that's the scary thing too, is that most people in the medical field, not everyone, but majority of people in the medical field are just going to weigh you, look at your BMI and then determine, okay, well, according to your BMI, you need to lose some weight. So lose mm-hmm. some weight first and then come back and we'll see if these problems have gone away. Um, mm-hmm. And research shows that 99.9% of the time, 
you lose weight, your health problems aren't actually going to like go anywhere. Like they're mm-hmm. a lot of times are not linked to your actual weight or size of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, everything you said spot on in terms yeah. of just unlearning, recognizing the old beliefs that you they're not helping you. Yeah, they're, they're not, not helping you. And that's, yeah, that was really like, I just came to that realization. I was like, I've been do, I've been, you know, really deep into diet culture for like seven years at this point. Where has it gotten me? Where I have horrible health. I've gained, I've gained weight. And that was my whole fear that, to begin with. So I'm like, so what the fuck am I putting myself through this for? You're not getting, and I, like I said, I was just living in a prison. I, was my whole every waking moment was revolved around what I looked like, what I was going to eat, everything. And it's just, I finally was like, I'm sorry, but this, you know, quote unquote skinniness that everyone is thinks is so fucking important, in my opinion, isn't fucking worth the hell that I'm going through. So yeah, I finally just, I was like, I truly, truly need to just focus on actually becoming healthy and not. And people may look at me and be like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, since I got married, I've gained like 40 pounds. People would probably say that I am unhealthy because of that, but I feel the healthiest I've ever been not physically, not only physically, but mentally. I, my days aren't focused around what I'm going to eat. Like I, this is the most of my life I've ever not thought about, like not thought about food and not, you know what I mean? Like food literally used to be on the forefront of my mind 24 seven. I used to stress about it so much. And there's some, I don't even give it a second thought now. It's like freedom. Yeah. Freedom of like, I can actually put time and energy toward things that matter to me Mm -hmm. um, and that feel important to me and that like bring me purpose and make me happy rather than scheduling all of those things around or trying to convince yourself that going to the gym or Mm -hmm. whatever diet you're on is what makes you happy because I guarantee I guarantee that majority of people who promote restriction or who promote diets or who promote like these intense workout programs I guarantee you if if I sat down with them and I said are you truly happy like are you genuinely happy Mm -hmm. majority of them are going to say like I'm actually not that happy because yeah like you said I feel like I'm stuck in this like cell of mm-hmm. my life and this is all my life can be and I have mm-hmm. to sneak around to eat certain things because I'm telling people online to not eat those things and it's just this like mental Olympics that none of us deserve to experience yep. um and I yeah that's the one thing I always tell clients is I'm like when you have that first glimpse of like freedom of really being able to be like I don't actually have to think about everything that I put into my mouth. I don't have to think mm-hmm. about, like, I don't have to like pick apart my body every time I look in the mirror or I can walk by a mirror and actually not even have a thought about my body. Like yes. those are those, those, those are the experiences where you're like, this is worth it. And this is why. Yeah. Decisions are so important. Well, and one thing I really wanted to touch on too, I, I've had this conversation a lot with with my husband and because he's even said that you know since I've started going through recovery that his relationship with you know you know fitness and and food and and his body has because that's another thing too I came to realize is men struggle a lot too with their body image 
Yeah. And yeah. I feel like it's, it's kind of glossed over, um, because you know, men, big, strong, blah, 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 the, all this bullshit that we project onto them. Um, but men struggle too with their, with their, and I feel like there's also a lot of, um, unhealthy standards that are set on men to be strong and, you know, be a man and be all, all this fucking stupid bullshit. And he's even said that, you know, my husband's even said that his relationship with his, his body has gotten better as well. And one thing that him and I talk about a lot is I, I've been a size two and I wasn't happy. So what makes me think if I can't be happy at a size two, why am I thinking that being thin is the end goal? That's going to fix everything because you know, all those times where, and like I said, body dysmorphia is a huge, huge thing that I also really struggled with. Cause I, you know, I was a size two and I, I, I would look in the mirror and I would see someone so much bigger than I actually was. And, and that that's what I think it just boils down to. I just, I wasn't going to be happy at any size because no matter how much weight I would lose, I, I would, I would reach that goal weight and then I would want to lose more. And so I, my husband and I talk about it a lot where it's like, you have to just be happy with where you're at and it's okay to have goals. Like I'm definitely not, I'm not anti health. I am all for people trying to be healthy and people exercising. I know that eating well and exercising is so important, but it's also just trying to, and you know, if there's anybody out there that is, and that's listening to this and is trying to lose weight or whatever it is, that's okay. No one is going to say that, you know, you're a bad person for trying to lose weight and that you automatically hate yourself, but you got to just, just make sure that you're happy and accepting of where you are right now. Because if you're not happy and accepting of where you are right now, you're not going to be as you, as you lose weight. And it's okay. Like I said, it's okay to want to change things, but I always say one of the big things that I always reminded myself of when I was going through recovery is I cannot hate myself into a version of myself that I like. You have to like yourself to begin with. You have to love yourself to begin with, you know? So it's like people just, I feel like they struggle to understand that. I promise losing all this weight that you think is going to fix all your problems isn't. And that the issue isn't your weight. The issue is the way you view yourself and the standards that we put on ourselves. So yeah, I, I just, I really try to just focus with, and I still have days that are hard where I fixate on my body a little bit more. And I know this is something I'll always struggle with for the rest of my life. But in, like I said, some days are worse than others. Typically when it's, I'm around that time of the month, <laughs> things get a little, you know, they get a little bit difficult, but yeah, I just try to just accept myself and be happy with where I'm at. Cause I know that if I can't do that now, I won't ever be able to do it. And I think understanding that health is more than just the food that you put into your mouth and the amount of time that you spend at the gym, I think mm-hmm. really learning like all of the different determinants of health and all of the mm-hmm. different things that play a role in your health, like how, like the people you surround yourself with and mm-hmm. any systems of oppression that you experience, all of those things, like the house that you grew up in, like the, the people you grew up around, the communities you grew up in, all of these things play a role in our health. And a lot, like I actually, the episode that went live today, um, we talked a lot about how there's so many parts of our health that are, that are out of our control mm-hmm. of just like where we were raised and how we were raised and genetics and all of this stuff that really we cannot control. Um, and there's really a tiny, tiny percentage of our health that is determined by like nutrition and exercise. Yeah. That's a big thing that a lot of people don't understand is that there's 
there's more to health than just the food you eat and how, how much time you spend at the gym. And when mm-hmm. you understand that, I think you start to prioritize those other things like your mental and emotional health and who you surround yourself with and managing your stress and getting enough sleep and all of these other things mm-hmm. that play a role in your health. And when you, when you prioritize those things, you start to feel better because you're like, oh wait, I'm actually fueling my body and I'm eating and mm-hmm. I'm thinking kindly about myself and I'm managing my stress and I feel overall healthier even though I've gained some weight, I feel like for me, I always tell myself gaining weight was the healthiest and best thing I could have ever done for my body. Yep. Even when for most of my life, I thought that that was literally the end all be all of my mm-hmm. life was if I gained weight, I was failing, I was unhealthy. When in reality, it's been like actually the complete opposite for me. And for most people where yep. that weight gain has been life-saving it has literally been the thing that has saved people and has allowed people to get back to that point where they're like okay I can actually yeah life and be happy and feel good well and too I I feel like I I almost would argue that your mental health is almost more important than your physical I'm not gonna you know I'm not a doctor but I'm just saying like it's your mind is so powerful too and like it's like stress is actually like so detrimental to your health and think about that extra layer of stress we're adding by setting these ridiculous fucking standards on ourselves about what we should look like and how much we should weigh understanding like the mind body connection is so important because truly like when we take care of our mind our body will have literal physical reactions and yeah like like you said, understanding that there are studies that show that stress is actually worse for us than existing in the body that we're existing in. Yo-yo mm-hmm. is actually oftentimes worse for us. Restriction is worse for us than allowing ourselves to get our nutri- nutrients in and move our bodies in a way that we enjoy and feel happy and exist in our bodies. We're actually, like we said this whole episode, we're like doing the opposite for ourselves than what we think we are. Yeah, no, literally, yeah. Like literally told us that, oh, don't worry about your mental health. Your mind doesn't matter. It's all about the way that you look. It's all about the size of your body. It's all about the new diet that you're on. Um, when in reality, it's actually the complete opposite. I thought of something funny too. Uh, I remember this was like last year I had gone to the doctor for like for the first time since I had started recovery. And it was funny too, cause she came into the room and I was just in there for a checkup and I could tell she immediately wanted to dive into my weight. And I was like, I'm just letting you know, like I struggle with an eating disorder. So just skip it. Like, I already know what you're going to say. Yeah. And she was just like, okay. Like I could tell that was the first fucking thing she was going to say to me. And I'm like, just skip it. I don't even want to fucking hear about it. Let's just not like, you know what? Cause that's everyone's, they just think that that's the fucking answer to everything. And it's not, it's not, there's so much, there's so many layers to it. So yeah, I definitely think that it's worry about your mind first. And find doctors who are respectful of that. I made a reel yes. like a couple of months ago that went of viral on Instagram about like what you can say when you're in the doctor's office to request to either not be weighed or to not see your weight. Mm-hmm. And um so many it hit like the wrong side of Instagram after being up for like a month it like hit the it always does on Instagram. 
And everyone was like, you're disgusting. You're promoting unhealthy lifestyle. You're blah, 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 blah. And all of this stuff. And, um, even a nurse, like an actual literal nurse. And I know she's a nurse because it's like in her bio on her Instagram commented on it and said, this is why, uh, doctors or medical providers or something drink. You're the reason why medical providers drink. And, um, lovely. I, I would not want her to be my nurse. (laughs) Yeah. I responded to it. And she DM'd me and was so upset that that was the comment that I chose to respond to. She's like, of all these comments, you chose mine, which, and I was like, I chose yours because you are shaming me, Mm -hmm. telling me that if I advocate for myself in the medical setting, you're going to go home and drink because you cannot stand the fact that someone's going to advocate for themselves and have a conversation with you as their medical provider. Literally. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, and and it's crazy too. I literally, we could go on a whole fucking, like, don't even get me started on how differently I'm treated now versus how I was treated when I was fucking a hundred pounds night and day, how I'm treated. It's crazy. And, and that's the thing. I'm really curious too, if someone had made a similar video to that, but was a smaller person, Really curious to what the response would have been. Cause I bet you it probably wouldn't have been. Cause a lot of people I feel like are just going to attack just based off of what the person that's making the video looks like. Oh, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, all the comments were just lose weight, you're in denial, what are you denying? Blah, 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 blah. Mm. And it's kind of similar to like when people do, when people will like um, do like mukbangs or something on TikTok. And- yeah. Someone will like someone in a smaller body will do like a whole, like a huge order from Taco Bell. And it's all like, oh my God, that food looks so good. Or, oh my God, how can you eat all of that? You're so tiny. And then you have someone in a larger body do the exact same video and it's, you're disgusting. Like food, it's like the hypocrisy is crazy, crazy to me, but Uh, Yeah, we could literally go on and on and on. Yeah, just about that. (laughs) Um, So to kind of wrap things up then, Jordan, do you have like one piece of advice you would give listeners who are kind of coming to the realization that maybe their behaviors or their relationship with food and their body isn't in a great place? Um, Or maybe they've already come to that realization and they're trying to figure out what that first step is. What piece of advice would you give them in starting the work? So my biggest piece of advice is just try to find someone to talk to and try to find someone that you genuinely think is going to hear you out. Um, Like I knew when I went to my husband, I knew he wasn't going to, you know, tell me I'm being dramatic or, you know, I knew I was going to get a good response from him. So just try to find someone you can talk to. And I know not everyone has the luxury of having someone they can speak with. Mm -hmm. So, um, in that case, if you don't have anyone super close to you that you can confide in, then I would maybe try going directly to therapy and finding someone that's going to, the, I think the biggest thing is trying to find someone who's going to take your concerns seriously. Um, and just know that admitting that there's something you need to work on and just admitting that everything's an issue is the first step. You know, the fact that you can even admit that is amazing. Cause I know that was the hardest thing for me was, it was even admitting that 
my relationship with food and my body was not normal because for, I was in denial for a long time. So I think making that, just acknowledging it is something you should be so proud of and, you know, just try to find someone you can confide in and get, get some help and find someone that you can talk to and get on the path of, you know, trying to get yourself to a healthy and stable, you know, place. I love that. I couldn't have said it better. Um, so Jordan, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story and being vulnerable and having such a powerful, powerful conversation with me to wrap things up. Do you mind just sharing with listeners where they can, can find you and can follow along? Yes. So you guys can find me on TikTok, everything. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. My goal is to be more consistent on YouTube this year. So we're, we're working towards it. Um, but yes, everything is just my username for everything is just at Jordan Lufus. And yeah, thank you so much for having me, Carly. I, it's been so fun to talk to you and I'm, I'm so excited to listen to this episode when it comes out. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for being here and I'll put everything in the show notes so that it's easy for um, listeners to find you. I, I hope that this was a positive experience for you and your kind of first podcast. Yes, it's um, been so much fun. I, I've loved it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everything you do. And listeners, if you um, relate, related to anything in today's episode, please feel free, leave a rating or a review, send it to a friend, a family member. Um, if you listen to today's episode and you resonate, tag Jordan and I in your Instagram stories. Let us know what your thoughts are. I'm always open to hearing your feedback. And I know I can't wait to hear the feedback. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you all think. Um, but thank you all again for being here and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.